Week seven, shooting the shield, or I guess this is week six, it's our sixth podcast, I guess we're getting out of week six, heading into week seven. John Reed, Corey Gunkel joins me down in the nation's capital, or over in the nation's capital, up in the nation's capital, wherever you're at, just know he's in the nation's capital. Corey, my friend, how are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I can't complain too much. I am riding high, buddy, still in the undefeated club, tighten up, 5-0, and best offense, uh, in the league, maybe top three offense in the league, top three quarterback. My coach looks like a genius. Life is good. Yeah, I was, I was about to say, you got to be feeling good. I mean, it's a big win, a division win, a fun win. You know, it comes down anytime you win a game with seven seconds left, it, it, it's a good day. And we didn't win I the mean, game with seven seconds with dummy. We won it in overtime. We tied the game with seven seconds left or four seconds left. That's right. That's right. So anytime, yeah, anytime you can. Tie the game with seven seconds left, and then go on and win it in overtime on a big run from your best offensive player. You can't complain too much. And then on top of that, your coach looks like a genius. And Mike Vrabel, it's funny because he's the guy that, to me, looks like he plays church softball and says the Lord's name in vain when he pops out. But he is renowned just in these past two seasons as being a really smart coach who knows what he's doing and and makes some really cerebral moves that people are still talking about on Tuesday and Wednesday. so He's come a long way from being the coach who said that he would cut his penis off for a Super Bowl appearance. Yes. But I will say that to me, Corey, uh, Mike Vrabel is kind of a – should be a cautionary tale because I gave Mike Vrabel the nickname Meathead Mario not too long ago. And I wasn't that high on Meathead Mario not that long ago. And I don't think a lot of people in Nashville were very high on him. He didn't seem like he was ready – and now, fast forward, 18 games later, he makes a switch at quarterback, and now he is regarded as maybe one of the three or four best young coaches in the league. Like, I mean, he is getting credit for being the best coach of Bill Belichick's coaching tree, uh, even though he didn't coach under Bill Belichick. He just played there forever. But he is uh, getting, you know, called cerebral, which is a far cry from Meathead Mario. And like I said, I... I think we were not that. I think in another reality, another universe, he rides Marcus Mariota to the death. It goes six and ten and gets fired and is never a head coach again. But instead, now he is thought of, like I said, to be a really cerebral, smart, savvy players coach who can also hit all the right buttons analytically. Yeah, it's amazing what a good quarterback will do for you. Because when you actually have a good quarterback, everyone looks smarter. The offensive line looks better. The coach seems better. It can even make the defense look better, ask Drew Brees. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can't complain if you're a Titans fan. You look like one of the best teams in football. You're winning in fun ways. I mean, you start the season with a wacky, you know, 3 a.m. win. um, And then you are now at this point still undefeated with another fun, wacky win uh, that everyone enjoyed. So uh, if you're a Titans fan, I mean, in this Sunday coming up, you've got you're feeling good because even if you lose this game, uh, it's not a huge deal. And if you win the game, my God, then, you you know, we're, we're talking about, oh, could the Titans be the best team in the AFC? Uh, type of discussions on first take and on these types of podcasts. No, I don't know if you saw, buddy, but uh, you talk about first take. Stephen A. Smith already had us number one. Wow! On his A list, Stephen's A list, the Titans were number one. That's big. And we all know Stephen A. Smith is an elite NFL mind. 
you know, never mind that time he talked about Hunter Henry and those players that weren't playing in that Chargers Chiefs game. He, he learned from that. He grew. Derek Thomas and the boys who hadn't been there in, uh, you know, years. But uh, he, he learned and now he is an elite NFL mind. And today he rated the Titans as number one in the entire NFL. That's big. I mean, that's that's a big time. That's how you know you've made it. You know, I, I always talk to you about how the Titans are new rich, the nouveau rich. And this is like your stamp. This is your McMansion. When you are ranked number one on first take by Stephen A. Smith, I mean, this is how you know that as a franchise, you've kind of blossomed. You've made it. So congratulations, my friend. No, I will say the Titans did get a lot of respect from twofold, like coming out of that game. You know, uh, we both listened to the Dan Levitard show. They started their show on Monday talking about Ryan Tannehill. He was the talk coming out of Monday. Uh, and then on the other hand, you have people talking about Derrick Henry. It's like the Titans have two superstars on offense. They both got good contracts in the offseason. People tried to laugh at them, say you don't pay running backs. You don't pay Tannehill. And Tannehill looks, again, like a top five quarterback. And let me tell you right now, Corey Gunkel, he is not number five and he is not number four. He might be number three. He might be number three. I'm not going to say he's two or one, but he, uh, to me, there are only two quarterbacks who supersede their system, and that is Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. And, you know, do I think you could drop Ryan Tannehill in any system and him be elite? No, I don't. But I don't think you can drop almost any quarterback in the league except Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes into any system and have success. But Ryan Tannehill in this offense with these weapons, the way he's playing, to me, is the third best quarterback in the league. Yeah, well, he's certainly top five, and and you see, I mean, it's probably one of the best acquisitions of the past two years for any team. The last 10 years. The last 10 years, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, like, they... Honestly, yes. I mean... Like, Nick Foles getting, you know, brought in by the Eagles would probably be number one just because, I mean, he, he won you a Super Bowl, having him as a backup. But, like, I mean, since then, you know, the Titans, anybody could have gotten Ryan Tannehill, and the Titans traded for him. For some insurance as yeah, a backup I say, quarterback. He was a backup quarterback. Yeah, they brought him in as insurance. The The Dolphins threw him away. We pretty much just had to give up. I think uh, we had to swap like a sixth pick for a seventh rounder. and a fourth, We had to give up a fourth rounder and then swapped like a sixth and seventh or something like that. And you brought him in as a backup because Mariota was always hurt. And you didn't want the season to come down to Blaine Gabbard again like it did in 2018. You brought Tannehill in. And now you look and say, wow, Ryan Tannehill was actually pretty good in Miami. Turns out it's not easy to play with Adam Gase, and he is the only one who's actually had any success with Adam Gase. And now, like I said, Ryan Tannehill, who could have been had by anybody in the league, has been revitalized. The contract extension the Titans gave him, well worth it, even though a lot of Titans fans, too many Titans fans, quite frankly, were uh, wanting to flirt with Tom Brady and bring Tom Brady in. The Titans stuck by Tannehill, and he has been awesome, and him and Derrick Henry complement each other well. And Tannehill now has four game-winning drives this season out of five wins. He has 14-4 and four as a starter. And they, you know, average 30 points a game. And they are, you know, on the uh, the pro, you know, uh, football outsiders, They are, we are the number three defense in the league. And, uh, you know, I think that the case could be made that we are, you know, one of the three or four best teams in the NFL. Yeah, I mean – Without a doubt, you can make that case right now through however many six weeks or so. And I'll give you another stat that backs up your point um, to how great Tannehill has looked because you're exactly right. I mean, over the past year and a half, uh, he's looked absolutely incredible. He takes care of the football. He can win you games. And over the past two weeks, 
Ryan Tannehill has had the highest PFF passing grade of any quarterback at 92.3. He is the only quarterback in the league with a grade over 83. So the the recent statistics back up the fact that he looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the league and his body of work uh over the time that he has been with the Titans proves that as well. So and then you add I mean like you said Yeah, you said that you said you said you could make the case the Titans are a top 5 team this year, but I just they've been a top 5 team since he took over. Yeah, they've looked very good. Like is this this isn't a five game sample for me. This is a you know, 18-game sample, and since he took over, the Titans are one of the four or five best teams in the league. Yeah, yeah, they look really good, and it just goes to show what a good quarterback can do for your offense. I mean, it's incredible. You have to have a good quarterback in this league, or you're not going to have success. And you look at the Steelers last year. It's not like they did anything different. They just had a hor- they had two horrible quarterbacks, and so they couldn't win game. Now they have a quarterback who's competent, and they look like a great team. I mean, it just goes to show how important that is. Everyone knows that, but, you know, just to hammer the point home. And he certainly has looked like one of the best quarterbacks in the league since he's gotten to Tennessee. You pair him with the best downhill runner in the league, and uh, the Titans are in for good things. And I'm excited because the AFC looks really fun. So uh, if you're a Titans fan, you're sitting pretty, and you've got to be happy right now. All hell, King Henry. <laughs> the first I mean, of his name. He's he's pretty good. All hell, King Henry. I mean, he is completely. Ch- you know, like the analytic nerds obviously are going to talk about. Don't pay running backs. Don't pay running backs. Like, yeah, that's not an original take, bro. Like, we all know that. You know, a lot of the times, if you pay running backs big money, they are going to. Uh, not work out, but I do think there are exceptions, and I think with both of our teams, yep, with Alvin Kamara and Derrick Henry, they're worth every penny. I made the case, you know, in the offseason, you got to pay Henry because he is the heartbeat of your franchise. He is the face of your franchise. The Titans fans do not have a chant that they have in the stands. There is no J-E-T-S Jets. There is no Fly Eagles Fly. There's none of that. We simply chant Henry, Henry, Henry. And, like, that's the chant we have as a fan base. He is the face of it. And, you know, you can't overstate what that means in a locker room. You see somebody ball out the way he did last year. You had to pay him. And so far, leading the league in rushing again, dominated the Texans, looking elite, and just, you know, the Titans have a great offense. And like I said, 84 points scored in five games. Or five days, excuse me. 84 points scored in five days yesterday when you combine the Buffalo and Houston Tuesday to Sunday matinee. There's a case to be made that Derrick Henry is underpaid. Same with Alvin Kamara. There is a case to be made that both of them are over overpaid or underpaid, excuse me, for what they bring to their team's offenses. And like you said, brand just branding and being a face of a team. I mean, um, the Saints are going through a little bit of a transition in that themselves with Kamara, you know, being the face. And so, yeah, King Henry looks awesome. The Titans look like one of the best teams in football, and I am pumped for Steelers Titans because, as I said last week on the podcast, I think the Steelers are for real, uh, and I'm really excited to see that defense and that offense match up. Because the one thing about the Titans, the the one question mark about the Titans is their defense, and, and so so that is that there. It's not like it's a perfect team, uh, but so I'm excited to see how it holds up next week. But I am really pumped for that game. That's gonna be the best game by far of the weekend. Yeah, I would say this is the on paper the second best game so far of the year, right? Behind Chiefs and Ravens. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. 
Like you don't get five and zero matchups very often in the NFL. Like it's hard to go five and zero. Like this is I want to say the first time the Steelers have done it since the seventies. It's the second time the Titans have done it in their franchise history. You know they haven't done it since two thousand eight. Like you don't get these matchups very often. So this is to me the second biggest game on paper. It's for first place in the AFC. It's two teams that don't like each other. There's COVID controversy surrounding it. It's a old school rivalry from back in you know the uh, the AFC Central days. And I'm pumped for it. And you talk about the Titans defense. Yeah, the Titans defense hasn't been great. They can't get off the field on third downs. I believe we are 32nd in the league in terms of getting third down stops. But in big moments, they have done enough. Outside of the Texans game, they couldn't get a stop when they had to get one, except on the two-point conversion. Big Jeff Simmons came through and batted down the two-point conversion. But uh, I'm excited to see because, quite frankly, I don't think the Steelers – Steelers haven't proven enough to me yet. Like, sure, they're 5-0. They're in my top five power rankings, all that. Like, they beat up a banged-up Browns team, and, you know, there's some mental block there. The Browns are going to choke. The Browns are the, broad, the Browns are frauds. I look at this Pittsburgh team who hasn't gone on the road since week one when they played in front of an empty arena, an empty stadium in New Jersey for the Giants. The, the, the Steelers then had four straight road games. We know throughout the last – really the last like six or seven years in his career, Big Ben hasn't been great on the road. He is a completely different quarterback at home versus on the road. I know that the Steelers will have some fans inside Nissan Stadium, but I, and I know that the Titans are only having 10,000 fans in and, at all, but I want to see what Big Ben looks like on the road, away from Heinz Field, when he's going up against a real team that he's going to have to you know score to beat. I know the Steelers' defense is good, but I, the Titans are still going to get the 24 points, I think. Like, I, I, I don't expect them to get over 30 and, you know, just be high-flying because, I mean, I respect the Steelers' defense, especially with, uh, you know, Taylor Lewan out. But I think they're going to have to get to 24, and I don't know if the Steelers can do that. Like, I haven't seen them do that this year against a good team. Like, you know, they scored 26 against the Giants, 26 against Denver, 28 against Houston. They scored 38 against Philadelphia. I mean, you know, they, they had a couple of uh, busted plays there that helped them get that many points. And then they beat the hell out of Cleveland. So, like, prove it to me against a good team. That's all I'm saying. It's a show-me game for both teams. I think it probably means a little bit more to Pittsburgh simply because their division is going to be tougher, you know, beating Baltimore for that division. But for the Titans, it's a it's a show-me game. You can really be the talk of the league if you win this game. Oh, yeah. If you win this game, you are cemented atop Stephen A. Smith's power rankings for at least two to three weeks. Uh, and if you lose, you know, it's really nobody hurt because the Steelers still have to play the Ravens twice. Um, and the Titans are in a much more manageable division. So, um, when it comes to AFC overall playoff seating. So yeah, I'm really pumped about this game because I really think the Steelers are for real. And I know their schedule has been pretty easy. Um, and I know that they, uh, still have a lot to prove. Uh, we went back to football outsiders. They're the number two defense, uh, you know, according yep. to DVOA. So um, is that, you know, how much of that is uh, the competition that they played and how much of that is their awesome defensive line and how great they've looked and how awesome Minka Fitzpatrick ha- has been, who everyone just kind of let go to the Steelers. So that kind of sucks. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pumped for this game. It's without, I'm glad you said it because I was going to say it if you didn't. I should have known that you weren't going to be humble about it. But yeah, this is by far at least the second best game of the year so far. Uh, and I am really excited to see the Titans offense go up against the Steelers defense. We are past humble, my friend. We are past that. And you got to soak it in. 
Uh, when you're on a run, you I mean, got like the, the Titans fans that listen to this podcast. They can already hear a difference in your voice from week one to to week six. Like you have bent the knee, Corey. You there's no longer no laughing about it. I didn't get any sarcastic text messages the last couple weeks. Like you have just you've acknowledged that the Titans are just among the elite and like everyone in the everyone in the country. I've I've made the calculated decision. I made the business decision to not laugh about this because uh, all of the beautiful people that listen to this podcast. Most of them are Titans fans. You know, they deserve some respect because you're exactly right. The Titans have looked really good. And the only reason I ever really talk shit about the Titans anyways is just because of you. It's not because I actually hate the Titans. I just know how much you hate the Saints, so I got to give it back to you. But yeah, the Titans have looked really good. A lot of Titans talk. Deservedly so. I, like, I do think they were one of the main storylines coming out of the weekend. I mean, just the way that offense looks. And like we said, the Steelers versus Titans is by far the game of the week this upcoming week. What other storylines did you have coming out of week six? I mean, the big news, we had some quarterback news today. Tua in for Fitzpatrick. Uh, Andy Dalton looked awful for the Cowboys last night. I thought Kyler Murray looked awful last night. I thought Josh Allen looked awful last night. What other takeaways did you have? Well, uh, the, the Tua news I mean, was... feel free to dive in on any of, the, any of the things I said just there, too. Yeah, the, the Tua news is the biggest news of the week so far in the NFL for me because uh, this is the biggest star in the most hope for a Miami football team since Dan Marino. It's not even close. I mean, the hype around Tua is so big that it is mirroring what happened when Dan Marino joined that franchise. And the Dolphins are sitting at 3-3. Three and three. You have a great now backup quarterback who's delivered you to the spot. The defense looks better than it was supposed to. You don't have much of a D-line, but you manufacture a pass rush anyways. The offense has looked really good, and now you have this quarterback who's supposed to be all-world uh, I mean, the, the Dolphins are sitting pretty, and you have the Texans' first-round pick, and they stink. So, and second-round pick. And second-round pick, and they're going to finish you know, at the bottom of the league, and who would have thought that at the beginning of the year, that they would be this bad? So the Dolphins and their hope meter is really fascinating to me because that town hasn't had anything to cheer about football-wise in a long time. They were just a, you know, it's ever since they chose Dante Culpepper over Drew Brees. That's how long it's been. And so I think I you're love- really underplaying the I, re- I think you're really underplaying the Ronnie Brown uh Ricky Williams Wildcat craze that they spearheaded in 2008. No, that was crazy. I mean, that was it made a little Wayne song. That was the Wildcat was Wildcat offense check the paw prints. So like I mean, I, you you are we thought that the NFL was never going to be the same again. We thought everyone was just going to play without a <laughs> And then Belichick figured it out like three weeks later, and it was over. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's the year That's the year the Patriots uh, missed the playoffs. That was the year you know, that was the year Brady hurt his knee, but the Patriots went 11-5 and five and couldn't make the playoffs. And still missed the playoffs, yep, yep. 2009, everyone figured it out. By the, by the time the playoffs rolled around, everyone figured it out, and ask Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. People have still figured it out. Ayo, take that, Lamar. Yep. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's so true. So I'm pumped about that. I think the Dolphins are still a year away, though. They are. No, they're in year two of a three-year rebuild, as Miami Herald columnist Greg Cody always says. And and it's true. I mean, this is Lanyap. Whatever you do this year, any success you have is just, you know, ice cre- the, the, the whipped cream on top. You're, you know, like, it's fine. Ugh, whipped cream is gross. I love whipped cream. Well, Cool Whip, actually. I like the Keep Cool Whip. Keep it off whip. my ice cream. No, no thanks. Keep it off my ice cream. Um, you know, some people were today were talking about, okay, well, does this mean that Ryan Fitzpatrick is on the trade market? I don't think so, just because if Tua does get hurt again, or if he takes a shot and they don't want to risk anything, they'll put Ryan Fitzpatrick back in there. But if you're the Dallas Cowboys, you'd be stupid not to reach out. 
because it ain't Andy Dalton, I can tell you that. And Ryan Fitzpatrick would automatically be the best quarterback for any team in the NFC East right now by a pretty decent margin. So if, if I'm the Cowboys, I at least reach out and, and I'm not going to do anything crazy to try to get him, but I just will test the waters at least because uh, at this point, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick had two of the best games of his career back to back. And I know it was against teams that weren't great. You know, they beat up on an injury ravaged 49ers team and then the Jets, but still. He wasn't very good against, he wasn't very good against the Jets. He threw two picks. They, let's, let's pump the brakes. He wasn't great against them. He was great against the 49ers. He sucked against the Seahawks. Like, they've been performing well kind of in spite of him, so I, I don't think it's a bit bad move to bench him. No, not at all. That's said, not what I'm saying. I, I think he is the veteran quarterback. He needs. They need him in that locker room. I don't think they would trade him unless they got, like, a third or fourth-round pick, and I don't think the Cowboys should give that up because, obviously, they have a lot of holes in their team. But if I am the Cowboys, I probably do reach out to see if, what, if I can get him or even call the Saints to see if I can get Jameis. Yeah, for sure, and I don't think they'd be able to get him either, but. Andy Dalton ain't it, bro. No, he ain't it. And you're not going anywhere with him, even if you are still leading the division somehow. Um, so, I mean, that's just a dumpster fire. I I live, you know, right at the start of the Northeast. I'm like 30 minutes from Baltimore, and I'm in that quadrant. So I get NFC East games all the time, and I'm sick of it. They are so bad. Um, so it'll be fun to see who wins it. It reminds me of the NFC South a couple years ago uh, when, you know, I think the Falcons won it at like 8, 7, and 9, or 8, and 8, or something. I can't remember. But terrible division, but you got to reach out if you're the Cowboys and maybe even the football team or something. But yeah, I don't think they're going to get rid of him. It is so funny to me that the NFC East has five total wins this year, three of them are in the division. The other two, uh, you know, Carson Wentz beat a injured. 49ers team on Sunday night football. And the other one was the Atlanta Falcons collapsing against the Cowboys. Yep. They should, you know, the Cowboys should have lost that game. They should, they, the NFC East should have one win the entire yes, year. Yes, it should. It should. And I mean, my God, is that division awful. Like, I just like, can you imagine even caring about that in any way, shape or form? So it, it's very possible. Jason Gerthet gets fired after going six and 10 and winning the division. Yep. Which is what we should all be. Which, by the way, for, Jason honestly. Garrett, Jason Garrett has to be uh, kicked back, laughing like, "Yeah, you guys thought I was the problem. No, 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 uh, this isn't me. You guys would love if I could get you. You guys would love if I was there to get you to eight and eight this year. Eight and eight w- wins this division going away. Oh yeah, my God, and he would probably get there too. Uh, but yeah, this ain't your daddy's Cowboys offensive line. Oh, like that offensive line is trash. It's, it's awful, and Andy Dalton is Andy Dalton. Uh, so the Cowboys are uh, in disarray, which is fun, always fun to say, because I hate the Cowboys and I wish them nothing but misery. So hopefully, uh, hopefully they go five and eleven and miss the playoffs by a game. Dak Prescott stack, Dak Prescott stock up after last night, though. Oh yeah, yeah, he's uh, you know, hey, look, Dak, ask for an extra shot of Dilaudid. If you can't get that, get you some morphine. And sit back and enjoy yourself because when you come back, you will have a deal of some sort waiting on you if you can step onto a field again, which you should be able to because, whew, man, I, I think Jerry probably realizes how stupid he is, maybe even for just a second, because my God, Andy Dalton is trash and there aren't many other options. All right, what else is on the docket coming out of last week? What, what, what else caught your mind? 
Well, uh, we talked about the Browns a little bit being fraudulent. I I totally agree. They're scared. I think that that's the other thing. We you know we, the, one of the first things I said on the podcast was get the Browns the hell off my TV until they can win a meaningful game, and that still hasn't happened yet. And I thought I think what struck me the most um, just in watching that game and watching the Browns for the past couple of weeks, and obviously since Baker has been there. I mean, they, they've just totally conceded that they're scared at times of him. I mean, they just rely so heavily on play action. Uh, they don't want him throwing the ball a lot. They just don't, they don't like his pocket presence. And I thought this stat was interesting. There's only been one other starting quarterback, a quarterback who's starting right now in the league that has more multi interception games since Baker entered the NFL than him. It's, of course, Phillip Rivers. But other than that, there's no other starting quarterback in the league right now that's thrown more multi-pick games than him. And the Browns have all this great talent, and they can run the ball down your throat, and Baker's still struggling. And I think that's uh, I think this might be the year where they finally realize he's not the guy that we're going to be able to win with, and I think that's been kind of proven. I don't know if you've looked at their schedule, but to me, like, are they frauds? Nah, they're not championship contenders, but they're going to get a playoff spot. Oh, for sure. They're, they're already four and two, and they play the Bengals one more time. They play Jacksonville, and they play both the Giants and the Jets. So, like, just those four games right there, you win those four, and you're at eight wins. And then you just have to find one win the rest of the way, and they still get to play Houston as well. And the Eagles. Like, you should, you could be able to split Houston or the Eagles. And that should be good enough for nine wins, and it gets you in the playoffs. Yeah, they can back into the playoffs, but I mean, are you going to hit that wall where you realize, like, is like, it's like Kirk Cousins fan. It's like Kirk Cousins. So, like, whenever you, you know, this, the Saints and the Vikings go back, and, you know, the, 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 there was a, a lot of Saints fans who realized that the, the biggest thing you can say, it, it reminds me of Baker Mayfield when you're talking to Vikings fans. The, the most hurtful thing you can say is this, the ceiling, the very top that your quarterback will take you as a wild card upset. That to me is what Baker Mayfield is. Like just in what I've seen since he's been in the league, he is at his best. He is going to upset a high seed in a wild card round and lose in the second round. And they might back into the playoffs. That I disagree with. Well, at least at this, you know, uh, this iteration of Baker Mayfield, you compare him to Kirk Cousins. Keep in mind, Kirk Cousins, it took him like eight years to get to the point where he was careful enough with the ball to go into the Superdome and beat the Saints. It took him a long time to win those games. Baker Mayfield is far too reckless right now to win a playoff game if they get there. He'll be like Kirk Cousins. We'll be arguing about him in like year seven or year, year eight, whether or not you can get it done with him. And that'll take some growth, which is funny because Kevin Stefanski can't escape this reality. You know, he went from Kirk Cousins to Baker Mayfield. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's, well, yeah, that's, uh, man, that's some Groundhog's Day shit right there. By the way, I just want to point out again that uh, you know Kirk Cousins did go in and beat Drew Brees last year in the playoffs. Just want to point that out. Yeah, yeah, that happened, John. That's that that certainly happened. Uh, but you know, I'm really more concerned at this point with the lives lost to COVID and um, what we can do for racial justice in this country more than a football game. But I I, I do enjoy talking with you about these trivial matters. So. Um, yes, well, if, that did if, if, if there are two quarterbacks that care about those things, it is Kirk Cousins and Drew Brees. So <laughs> God, yeah, that God. They've been to a couple of boat parades in their day, I can tell you. Um, so, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I just love the idea of Kirk Cousins saying he would die. He, he, if he dies, he dies to play this game, and he goes out there and plays as if he is already dead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously, like, Kirk Cousins is like, I'll die. 
playing football, it's like, bro, come on. Like, you're going to die going 16 for 35, 120 yards? Like, you can't go out like that, dude. Just, I mean, just take the money and run, man. And if he doesn't, Adam Thielen will kill him eventually in his sleep. He looks so fed up. He looks so fed up with the existence of being with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I mean, Stephon Diggs sleeps well at night, knowing he doesn't have to deal with that again. Because at least Josh Allen can get the ball to you in the air. I, I don't know, man. I don't know if you saw last night. He, uh, Stephon Diggs didn't look very happy uh, last night watching Josh Allen throw the ball over the place. Yeah, the Bills, Josh Allen had a rough game last night. First one of his season so far. Uh, the Bills, man, they're second, reeling. Second one. He wasn't very good against the Titans either. Yeah, no, he wasn't. It wasn't awful, though. No, but it, it, he, he threw... Two interceptions and scored. One wasn't points, his fault, so. but yeah, point taken. It was, it was an off-target throw, but either way. If I'm the Vikings, I am offering up Adam Thielen. I am trying to trade him just because you're not going anywhere this year and you can get a draft pick back and build around Justin Jefferson and get Adam Thielen out of the locker room because I know he is shit-talking Kirk Cousins every chance he gets. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, he's pissed, and you might as well. Yeah, and there, and you could, you who knows, you might hit a lick with him. So, I agree. Shop him and and tank because if you lose to the Falcons, um, you know, I, I guess you do get the the fire your head coach bump where you go out and play a little better. But that was bad. So, trade him, rebuild. It's over. This iteration of the Vikings is done. After this weekend and a bad home loss to Denver. Do we feel like this is a uh, kind of a must-win game for the Patriots against the 49ers on Sunday? I do. I do. I think it's a must-win for both teams, honestly. If the Niners ha- want any chance of hanging around in the NFC, um, I mean, especially in the division they play in, you got to win this one. But even more so for the Patriots, who are 2-3. and three, I mean, man, I don't even know the last – it has – Bill Belichick ever started two and four with the Patriots? Like, it seems like I don't know about two and four. They said the last time he was two and three, they went on to win the Super Bowl. So he has uh, been at least two and three before. But this doesn't seem like a Super Bowl team. They're currently eleventh in the AFC, and they got some work to do. Seems like a huge, huge game Sunday against the Forty ers It's an enormous game, and you know it's an enormous game because did you see how many cliches Cam Newton threw out uh, on an interview today? I did not. I don't know if you saw that. Um, he said that he doesn't point fingers. He points thumbs. He said that uh, they can't look at this thing with a telescope. They got to look at it with a microscope. Uh, and then there was one other one that was really good. Oh, yeah. And he said the, 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 the rain may be coming down and the sky might be falling, but I'll just put my raincoat on, which I'm sure will be spotted in hot pink and have fur of some sort somewhere on it. Uh, so you can tell that things are dire because Cam Newton is tossing out every platitude, uh, even ones that I'd never heard of before. So this is a must-win game for the Pats, and this is the most trouble Bill Belichick's been in in a very long time. What else we got this weekend? What else you got? I'm pumped. It seems like, like I said, the Titans, Steelers, which uh, America's getting robbed by that not being on the CBS national window. It should be. This deserves Romo and Nance. Instead, they're going to have, uh, I guess, the, the 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 Patriots 49ers as their national game of the week. Yep, and in uh, in Homerland, uh, this is Teddy Bridgewater's return to the Superdome. So it sucks that he can't get a standing ovation from a full dome crowd for his work last year. But he was awful on Sunday. So te- he was, he was, and I hope that continues. 
Um, so Teddy Bridgewater's return to New Orleans will be fun. And like I said, uh, there is breaking news just tonight. This is uh, Tuesday night that we are recording this. The Saints announced that they uh, made an agreement with the mayor of New Orleans to allow 3,000 fans in this weekend, which equals about 10,000 regular NFL fans. So they'll at least get a little noise in the Superdome. So that'll be fun. So now they're not having to go to Baton Rouge. They're not going to have to go play in LSU Stadium. Yeah, no Death Valley NFL style, but uh, they will have some fans in the stadium, and they, they're going to pump that up to 6,000, I think, the next time they play. Um, and then also a low-key good game in the in the making, perhaps, Seahawks-Cardinals. We know the Seahawks are a little bit of fool, fool's gold. I'm still scared shitless of them but uh, because of their offense and Russell Wilson, but their defense is atrocious. They have perhaps the worst pass rush in the NFL. That will come back to bite your ass at some point, even if you're 5-0. and And Kyler Murray on Monday night didn't look great, but the Cardinals were still able to get a win over the hapless Cowboys. Uh, so I'll be excited to see who can win that game in Arizona. I want to say the Cardinals played them pretty well last year too. So, I mean, that's uh, that, that should be a fun game. And it was bad timing. A couple weeks ago, I said I think the most complete team in the NFC is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then they immediately laid an egg against the Bears. However, I did feel a little vindicated on Sunday watching them dominate that Packers offense. Man, their defense looks really good. I'm glad the Saints already have a win over them because their defense looks awesome. They're number one in DVOA, I think, in defense. And, uh, man, we're doing a lot of DVOA today. I like that. They're number we're, one overall. They're the number one overall team, defense and overall team. So so their their defense is extremely good, um, especially, like we said, with Levante David and, um, you know, an LSU linebacker who's really good. So, uh, the the Bucks, I think you hit the nail on the head. They look like the the cream of the crop right now. But then again, they're so bipolar because, like you said, the week before they laid a complete egg. Now it was a short week, so we know how those go. But I'm excited to see the Bucks moving forward. I hate Tom Brady, obviously, like everyone else. So um, uh, hopefully, there's a little decline there as the season continues because he looked really sharp as well, and Aaron Rodgers looked bad. I mean, we would be crushing Tom Brady and Drew Brees if if this w- was how they looked uh, in a in an afternoon primetime game. He looked bad oh, through virtually two pick sixes. He looked awful. In that same type of energy, Corey, we would have been uh, still orgasming if Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers had pulled off the fake spike game tying touchdown the same way that Ryan Tannehill did. But but I digress. Do you have a pick for the people? You know, a gambling pick for uh, week seven, John, I do have a gambling pick. Would you like to hear it? No, I just asked to see if you had one. All right. Good show. We'll talk to you later. All right. See you, buddy. No, you idiot. Give me the pick. <laughs> okay. I'm going uh, Lions my, uh, plus two and a half against the Falcons. I'm sure that's completely unbiased as a Saints fan and a Falcons hater. Well, you know, John, it, it certainly is because uh, the Falcons got there, fire your coach, and everyone's like, oh, you know, we're playing for our job now. Bump, and they will come back down to earth, and Matt Stafford is going to have a great game. And I think the the Lions are going to not only win outright, but also cover, obviously. So I have the Lions plus two and a half. I do like the Titans plus two and a half at home as well against the Steelers, completely unbiased. The Titans always show up for these big games. They'll give Pittsburgh their best shot. But outside of uh, maybe my blind spot, I really, this is going to sound crazy, but give me the, uh, I'm going to keep riding the Cowboys misery train. Give me the uh, the football team this weekend. I like that. I just think their defensive line is going to kill the Cowboys offensive line. And I think Andy Dalton is going to die on the road. I think Washington gets a big win against the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are in trouble. 
T-R-O-U-B-L-E, as the great Travis Tritt once said. That's right. Rest in peace. He's still alive, but this podcast isn't. Talk to you next week, brother. See you, buddy.